Welcome to Pragmatic. Pragmatic is a show about technology and contemplating the finer details and their practical application. By exploring real-world trade-offs, we dive into how great ideas can be transformed into products and services that impact our lives. Pragmatic is entirely supported by you, our listeners. If you'd like to support us and keep the show ad-free, you can by becoming a premium supporter. Premium support is available via Patreon and through the Apple Podcasts channel subscription. Premium supporters have access to early release high-quality versions of episodes as well as bonus material from all of our shows not available anywhere else. Just visit engineer.network slash pragmatic to learn how you can help this show to continue to be made. Thank you. I'm your host, uh, John Chigi, and today I'm joined once again by my good friend, Vic Hudson. How you doing, Vic? I'm doing all right, John. Been feeling a little under the weather, but pretty good. As soon as I said that, I realized asking you how you're feeling, because I know how you're feeling, is actually not the best. Mm. It's probably an indelicate question. but It's all good, man. I, I, I appreciate um, I appreciate the um, cold and flu medication that you're taking that allows you to uh, have a chat. So thank you very much for that. I appreciate the effort. I, I also appreciate it. It allows me to do more than chat. It allows me to function. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Oh my goodness! Yeah. So it's been uh, it's been a little while since we caught up. I wanted to have a little bit of a odds and sods sort of an episode mm-hmm. because honestly, it's uh, it's been a bit of a mixed bag um, for me in the last few months of my life. Lots of stuff happening, not all of it good. Some of which I'm not talking about. Really, I don't would like to. I'd rather not discuss yet. Um, but there is a lot of stuff happening, and uh, it's made it very difficult to edit, record, do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so in any case, the most recent thing um, that, that I'm, I'm happy to talk about is um, conference speaking. So uh, I've, I've been doing uh, different presentations over the years and uh, yeah. ordinarily it's like a slide deck. So here's a slide deck and it's like, well, we did this with this thing. See slide A and um, something else happens. See slide B. And it's like, that, that's what I've done. So, yes, I'm a conference speaker, but with a set of slides, and I'm usually I'm usually talking about something, whatever the hell it might be. You know, it's usually work-related. It's usually a bit dry, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, I'm me, but I'm not as me-me as I would be uh, if it was something a bit more casual. So, in a first for me, there was a conference and the organization's a relatively small one in the grand scheme of things. It's got a few hundred members, but and it's based here in Australia and New Zealand, and it's called the Australian Control Room Network Association, uh, ACRNA. Mm-hmm. And they invited me to speak, uh, to be their dinner speaker. And um, it, was, it was very nice. Um, it, was, uh, it was lovely of them to, to ask me because it's not like I'd ever done it before. And, I mean, irrespective of whether or not they had a, a long list of potential options of people to ask, um, because I did a presentation there last year, they were impressed by that presentation. And they said, oh, hey, would you like to be our dinner speaker? Oh, and while you're at it, could you also do another presentation this year? So I'm like, okay, sure. So I went to this conference. This conference was a couple of weeks ago now. Mm-hmm. Actually, about a week. Wow. Feels like longer. Anyway. And uh, it was here in Brisbane, which was nice because the one I went to and presented to uh, last year was actually in Sydney. And that was in September or I think it was September last year. Yeah. But this one was here in Brisbane and it was at the Gabba, which is the um, Brisbane Ref- cricket ground effectively. Yeah. Refreshing my my memory. Brisbane's pretty much home, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah Brisbane is home for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I live just north of Brisbane, yeah. but I my the, the CBD of Brisbane – uh, that's where the office building is, and I go on there three days a week. Uh, and the Gabba is just on the other side of the river. It's on the south side of the river. Um, it's a beautiful, big um, sports arena. And uh, it, was in the, it was in the members section, which is a very nice area. I've also, never been in before because I'm not a member. So, yeah, you don't get to go in there unless you're a member, or I guess if you hire it out for a conference. Anyway, so I went there, and I did my presentation. Everyone was happy with it, so that's great. And... Um, when I and I did the dinner presentation, so it was two twenty-minute segments, 
uh, between courses, so between entree and main and then main and, and dinner. And I had no slides, I had notes, and the printer I had at home at the time was dodgy. So I printed it and it had this weird, weird problem where it shadows. So the first top half of the page gets reprinted uh, but in a very, very light gray on the bottom half of the page. So you mm. you basically get this really weird ghosting shadow effect on the bottom half of the page. So all my notes were a garbled mess. Oh, that sounds like good times. Yeah. I thought I thought it would be um I thought it would be quite the quite the struggle. But the funny thing was that when I got up there, I actually didn't feel nervous. Normally I get very nervous in the first two or three minutes of every presentation. I didn't feel that for the dinner speech at all. I it, it I felt quite relaxed and I actually hadn't had anything to drink. Not really. I think I had like one glass of very small glass of sparkling wine mm-hmm. like an hour and a half earlier. So I could hardly say that I was intoxicated. I was barely barely had a drink. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I got up there, did the presentation, and um it went down very well. Um had a lot of people that were very, very happy with how it went, very impressed and uh, a lot of people said to me, um, you know, oh, we'll have to get you to speak it, you know, um, come and speak it in future. And I'm like, okay, great. So, yeah, I've actually started down the road of, um, I've, I've updated the Engineered Network website and said, hey, you want me to do speaking stuff? Then I can now say I've done a dinner presentation, a dinner um, dinner guest speaker. That's cool. It was cool. It was cool. It was a first, really, because I feel like that was different. I could never do that. Yeah. I'm kind of surprised that I actually pulled that off. To be honest with you, yeah. Um, I maybe you had. I mean, could, just enough liquid courage, but not too much to sabotage the presentation. I didn't have that third drink. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's when the trouble starts. <laughs> yes, yes. The wisdom of Vic. You are quite correct. So yes, I, I honestly, um, yeah. So I, I just wanted to mention it because. Um, that consumed a fair bit of time in the weeks leading up. I did a whole bunch of prep for it. Now, what I talked about, actually, it's probably worth mentioning, is that I talked about my history and how I got into engineering mm-hmm. and the stuff that I'd done. It was relative to control rooms, of course, because it's a control room conference. I wanted to make it relevant. Right. I talked about podcasting and the things that I'd learned from podcasting, things about audio, soundproofing, you know, like that sort of stuff and how that relates to control rooms and how, I, how I've leveraged some of what I've learned in, in my day-to-day, my day job. Yeah. And I have, actually. I've learned a lot about um, echo reverberation and, you know, flat surfaces and what to avoid and how to, you know, like soundproofing and carpet and mm-hmm. all that stuff. So that's been good. good um, and I then... Yeah, then I did a whole, the next 20 minutes was all on causality and episodes of causality where there were control room contributors. Mm. So that was, yeah, that was, yeah, that was good. Cool. Anyway, um, and I talked about Milford Haven, um, which was an episode I did on Pragmatic and uh, that was a, a Texaco refinery in, uh, well, Milford Haven uh, in Birminghamshire mm-hmm. in uh, in the UK. And... One of the people in the audience, well, he worked for Honeywell that did the DCS Uh-oh. at Milford Haven, and he was the one, one of them, who was brought up in front of the UK Health Directive, Ooh. which is essentially the Board of Inquiry yeah. on Milford Haven. And he's like, uh, I need to talk a little bit more about some of the things you said about Milford Haven. And I'm like, mm. oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> It was nothing bad. I just yeah. I just glossed over a whole bunch of detail. Say, but he was happy to tell me all the detail. I'd say that was just a little awkward. Yeah. But but the thing is, as he was telling me, it was coming back to me. You've got to realize I researched Milford Haven like five or six years ago. It's quite an old episode. And so it was done in the early days of causality. That's I was thinking that was a while back. It was quite a while back. And so when he was telling me these things, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, that's right. And it came out of this line and, and, and the reason it failed was because it was corroded. And he sort of like nodded and he said, yes, that's right. I said, see, see, I did remember. I did. Mm. Anyway. So that was uh, that was an interesting experience, but yes, yeah, so I had inadvertently met someone that I had unknowingly idolised actually, because he was uh, also involved with some of the standards that I've read. So it's it's not often that you get to have a conversation with someone that contributed to a standard that you've based a lot of your work on. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. 
so yeah, it was good. Uh, it was a good conference, and um, yeah, I actually enjoyed getting up and doing the dinner dinner speaking, which was really cool. First time, uh, may well do it again. Uh, I did it gratis this time. I didn't actually charge for it because um, I wasn't sure I could pull it off. Um, but yeah, now I am sure. Maybe next time I should charge. But anyway, there you go. Just got to figure out how much I would ask for. Don't know. Five dollars, ten. I don't have no idea. Anyway, I'll figure that out one day. Mm, that seems like a low mm. bar. It, yeah, it seems like I'm underselling myself. Yeah. <laughs> Just a tad. All right. I think I'd I'd want at least a good twenty. <laughs> yeah, twenty five. Yeah, I'd settle for a bottle of uh, uh, Long Branch or something like that. Mm. It's good did stuff. you ever get to try that? I did, yes, and I'm about a third of the way through said bottle of Long Branch. It's yeah. very nice. It's so good nice. Stuff. Thank you for the recommendation. Yeah, it is very good stuff. Yes. All right. So since we last spoke, there have actually been two Apple events, and. I'm not going to do a full, I don't want to do a big deep dive into them. Have you watched either of them or both of them? I'm just I saw the first one. I have not actually gotten around to yep. watching the spooky fast one just yet, mm-hmm. but I am up on the, the machines that were released and the, the new chips. Yep. Thanks to some other podcast summaries. For, for whatever it's worth, Vic, I'm in exactly the same position as you. I did not bother to do to look at the spooky fast M3 ones because I heard the breakdown on another podcast and I'm like, well, I guess I don't need to watch the event now. So I haven't and I'm not going to. And yeah. I think it's I think it speaks to the fact that none of those machines are of any interest to me. And I was sort of thinking about that to, since we're talking about it, I may as well do that one first. It's in reverse chronological order, but that's okay. Is that, I mean, I I'm podcasting right now on a M2 MacBook Air. Mm-hmm. And this thing is an absolutely incredible bit of kit. Yeah. It is. The The keyboard is beautiful. The trackpad is beautiful. The screen is beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, and it is so fast. There are no fans, which is why it's perfect in the sound booth because there's no noise. It doesn't make noise. Yeah. Um, it's just a beautiful bit of equipment. Mm-hmm. Uh, my Mac Studio is only an M1. I say only an M1, but I mean it's still blisteringly fast. Right. It's got 32 gig of RAM in it, which is plenty for what I need. Yeah, it's running a ridiculous number of Docker containers and virtual machines, mm-hmm. and I also use it whilst it's running those machines for for my everyday driver. Yeah, editing photos, editing videos, and it does not slow down or skip a beat or get hot. All right. And it drives three 4Ks displays without breaking a sweat. Yeah. So the question I ask myself is, what the heck is it going to take for me to want to ever upgrade? I mean, apart from it breaking. Like if my kids come along or I come along, (laughs) I'm going to go with blaming the kids. But it could be me. And I tip a vase of water over it. Mm. And I'm like, hmm, I might need a new computer. So apart from that... Gonna pull a Casey, or it's spontaneously combusting. What what exactly are Apple gonna add that I'm gonna have to have in order to upgrade? And I'm struggling, Vic. I can't think of what it would be. I kind of feel the same with my my MacBook Pro. I do kind of wish I'd gotten a little more internal storage, and maybe a little bit more RAM would would be nice. But I'm okay. I'm not hurting for it or anything. Because um, I just got the I've got the N1 Pro Max 16 inch laptop, the first one. And uh, mm-hmm. 32 gigs of RAM, which is fine for what I need, but I could see, you know, potentially bumping up against that one day. But uh, the yeah. the one terabyte of storage really kind of hurts. I mean, it doesn't hurt, but I just recently learned that my uh, desktop iMac, the Fry Mac, as I like to call it these days, because it's still an mm-hmm. Intel 27 inch, it's it's not getting nice. It's it doesn't get what's what's the the latest Mac OS? What's it called now? Sonoma? Is that it? That's it. Sonoma. Yeah. Yep. No yep. Sonoma for the Frymac. So that's that's a wake-up call. It, its days are numbered. And I think I'm just going to keep using it till it dies pretty much. But I don't mm-hmm. think I'm going to replace it. I think I'm just going to get a studio display or something when it does kill and just go back yep. to just having the one laptop. And then I think I might feel that, that one terabyte crunch. But 
Mm. Aside from that, performance-wise, I have no complaints whatsoever. And, I mean, as spooky fast as those new M3s are, and they are quite impressive, but it just it's still... Mm. I don't have any complaints with the performance of the machine, man. I don't have a a, no. a good reason to want to upgrade to it. No, exactly right. And I mean, I don't. Yeah, I'm. I just. I, I struggle because it, it, it's like with um, you know, with Intel, they have the whole TikTok thing, right? Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, well, I'll wait for the next talk, yeah. and then they do the tick 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 tock. Yeah. Tick, 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 tick. Eventually, they're going to talk. I mean, it's too soon uh, in Apple's journey with the M3s for us to really know when the true jumps and the true leaps are going to be. Yeah. But the thing that occurred to me is, well, if you've got computers now that are so fast that it does everything you need, then from a desktop, laptop perspective, iPad perspective probably even phone perspective yeah. the things that sell the new phones and and such is the we'll talk about in a second have nothing to do with the cpu in it no so has it for a long time i mean the new the the new cpu no. gains in the new phones is always nice and it is impressive mm. but it's been a long time since i had any of my iphones and i just looked at them and felt like they were too slow yeah a See, I, I think time. that, yeah. See, I think the future is in fact going to be on the stuff that is so processor intensive. Um, and by that, I mean specifically the Apple Vision Pro. It's mm. like that's where you're going to start seeing the really big gains. So when they put an M3 or an M4 in the Apple Vision Pro, mm-hmm. then that will make a colossal difference. And they've got an R1, eventually it'll be an R2 and an R3. It's like that will make a colossal difference in frame rates and, you know, the pass-through speed and, and reducing lag and yeah. um, and and higher resolution and, and all of those things. That's where the future is. And it'll matter in that platform because, I mean, all of those things that you're talking about, those are, those are your biggest things that cause people to have, you know, their motion sickness issues and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. The smoother they can get those frame rates and that performance, the better. Yep. Whereas if you look at, in comparison, a desktop machine, unless you're doing heavy editing or lots of code compilation, the difference between an M1 and an M3 is irrelevant in terms of performance. You'll right. never notice it. Right. So in any case, um, well, let me ask that's you a all question. well and sanitary. Uh, yeah. On your, your Mac Studio, I know that... Mm-hmm. Anecdotally, I know that that thing tends to to run a little warmer. Well, no, actually, I don't think it actually runs warmer. I think it just generates extra fan noise. Is what I've heard for some unknown reason. But no. aside from just the ambient extra fan noise that it's got, have you ever really heard those fans spin up? Have you ever done anything to cause them to? No. Yeah, that's. No. I don't think I, I was talking to Ronnie the other day because he just recently got himself a new MacBook Pro. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think I've ever heard the fans on my MacBook Pro spin up. Not a single time. No. I tried really hard in order to just with with, uh, like pushing it uh, with really heavy load. And it was just, nothing did it. I had to actually use TG Pro, Mm -hmm. uh, which is one of those fan control, like Max fan controls, another one you can use. Yeah. uh, In order to crank the speed up because I couldn't do it. I was handbrake encoding for hours and it barely budged. Mm. It's just, wow. You know, it's incredible. I would have thought the video encoding might get it kind of close to that, but that's impressive. Nope. Not not even, um, like, I also did a whole bunch of ML stuff. Yeah. So I did, uh, oh, dear, Mac Whisper. Mm. So I had that running as well. Yeah. Multiple sessions. I had, like, three of them running at the same time. No, did not break a sweat. Pretty impressive. I mean, it was pegging, yeah, it was pegging CPU, GPU, but it was not spinning up those fans. Yeah. Anyway. All right. I just thought, I just... I just thought it was interesting because I because I, I kept going through in my mind. It's like, well, what would it take to get me to upgrade? And going to an M3 is just not going to do it. And I've got a perfectly good MacBook Air and Mac yeah. Studio. I just can't see it. That's, yeah, that probably when and if the MacBook Pro dies maybe or yeah, I guess maybe if, they, if it reaches a point where they cut off OS support, then that might be mm-hmm. a tempting factor. But short of something like that, man, I just, I have no complaints with mine. 
No, no, exactly, and 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 not do I. So the other event was far more interesting to me, and there was only really one thing in that event that really um, got me excited. Yeah, and it wasn't just the new iPhone 15s; it was one particular model, mm-hmm. which is the iPhone 15 Pro Max. Mm-hmm. You has a guess as to why? Uh, I'm I'm gonna guess that maybe it has something to do with this 5x 120 millimeter camera you get in the notes. Oh, I'm not <laughs> supposed to say it in the notes, mate. That's like. <sighs> Sorry. Okay. We can fix it with editing. Perhaps. <laughs> no. No. Can we fix that with editing? Oh, would you like me to play it? Do it. Can we fix that with editing? <laughs> yes, we can, Nate. Nate the Great. And and I would, just so you know, um, because I, I inflicted a spoiler on Clay, and I feel bad about that even now, months later. The Doctor Who? Um. Yeah, mm. I still feel bad about that. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, I don't, I just, Clay and I haven't. Sp- you haven't spoken. Clay and I haven't spoken since. Seriously. No. Seriously. I mean, I said I'm sorry. Oh. I don't. No, no, no. I doubt he's holding a grudge over it. <laughs> Clay is such a lovely, nice man. He would not hold a grudge. I don't think he's capable of holding those sorts of grudges. This he's is just this too is true. too nice. He is. But even so, spoilers I with Clay is tricky, man. <laughs> it, spoilers with anyone is tricky. Yeah, um, Clay really anyway. raises the bar. Like it's got to be like twenty years old before it's safe to talk about. <laughs> uh, we love you, Clay. Anyway, so once again, sorry about that. But in terms of um, the Ted Lasso, I finally watched the end of it. I still um, haven't seen season three. <laughs> don't 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 claim me. <laughs> oh, okay. So basically, what happens is. Mm. Getting back to the camera. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So uh, the the th- one thing that the iPhone 15 Pro Max has that the 15 Pro doesn't is it trades the 3X camera, which is still pretty respectable for a telephoto in a smartphone, for the 5X uh, telephoto. So that particular lens is a – it's not – well – you can call it a periscope lens if you like to, or it's a prismatic lens, however you want to do it. Um, it's a bunch of light bouncing through some prisms to increase the effective length of the lens. And uh, it just makes it a little bit chunkier, or chonkier, as my kids prefer to say. Chonkier? I don't get that. Yeah. You just put an O instead of a U, mm. and it's a new word chonky. for kids these days. Anyway, chonky. See, the cat's not chunky. She's chonky, um, oh, apparently. Boy. Anyway. Yeah, that's, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> My kids. Anyway, so um, it has an effective focal length of 120 millimeters. Now, in a smartphone, that's insane. Yeah. Like, I have lenses, and I'll talk a little bit about my lenses shortly, but, and why I'm doing what I'm doing. And this will make Clay sad, actually, mm. more sad than the spoiler, potentially. Um, but 120 mil camera. So I've currently only got two lenses um, that cover that range. So I've yeah. got a 24 to 200 millimeter um, mm-hmm. f5.6 to 6.3, um, to, well, super zoom essentially. And then I've got the old um, Nikon 20, 200 to 500, what I call a novelty lens. So yeah. those are the only two lenses that cover that or beyond. All my other lenses are much shorter than that. So the other, next nearest I've got is an 85. Yeah, as 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 a camera idiot, these numbers don't mean anything to me. <laughs> this this hundred twenty okay. millimeters is is that what I need to reach the moon, or is that still not quite there? Nowhere near it. So all okay. right, um, when when you take a photo mm-hmm. with a standard film camera, right, that will generally have the thirty five millimeter film lens equivalent. That is, yeah. Essentially, if you take a photo of the street and the city uh, mm-hmm. streets, uh, a view of a street, it'll capture a large amount of detail of that street. Right. You can do portrait shots with it, but it will take and in it, multiple people. Thirty-five millimeters. That's yeah, representing the distance between the lens and the sensor. It's more complicated no. than that. Um, okay. There is an episode of Pragmatic on photography that explains it, but let's put it this way: everything's relative to thirty-five millimeters. So, okay, if you have a lens that is that's less the than that, so let's say it's. 24 millimeters or 20 millimeters or 10 millimeters, mm-hmm. that becomes what they call wide a wide angle lens or right. an ultra wide angle lens. Right. So the smaller the number, the wider the angle. Yeah, that you I know capture. that. 
Because yeah. it's like it's like so looking through a longer or a shorter tube. Sure. Yeah. Think of it like that. Yeah. And then once you go to 85 millimeters, mm-hmm. 85 millimeters means that you're going to zoom in closer. And by the time you get to 100, it's a little bit closer. 120, it's even closer. So mm-hmm. that's why they call them a zoom lens. Sometimes they'll call them a telephoto. Yeah. Yeah. So 120 millimeter lens so what do you is reckon, decent zoom. Like Clay, when he posts his moonshots, what do you reckon the reach is on that? What what millimeter would you estimate that is? I'm just looking oh, for like something eight. to give me a comparison. Uh, the the super close-ups of the moon will be like 600 millimeters, okay. 800 millimeters. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. not even quite a fourth so, of that. No. Okay. No, no. The moon is a decent distance away. Yeah. So you need a decent zoom on it. Yeah. I knew yeah. that. I just, yeah. I didn't know how much yeah. is how much. So you can get these um, super zoom. But this is quite an impressive number for a phone camera. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. To the best of my knowledge, it's the uh, it's the, the longest lens on a standard smartphone. Mm. So I'm I'm very impressed. Um, so much so that I'm going to buy one. Mm. I haven't got it yet, but it is it is on my list. Yeah. And in order to afford it, I have decided oh boy. that I am going to sell my oldest lenses. Oh boy! And this is the part. Yeah, I know, this is the part that where Clay gets sad. Look away, Clay. So the aforementioned 200, 200 500 millimeter, what I used to call a novelty lens, the the ultra telephoto, um, that is sold. It is. I no longer have it. Mm. It's gone. Uh, it's sold within two days. Mm. Um, I also have the Nikon F mount to Z mount adapter, or the FTZ adapter for short. That has also been sold. Mm. That sold within a week. My ultra wide which is a Tamron 11 to 11, 11 to 16 millimeter ultra wide uh, Zen uh, zoom lens mm. that has still not sold yet, but it will be next. And then once I've sold that, all of my old F mount lenses will be sold and I will now only have Z mount lenses. Mm. The downside is that I will have nothing longer than 120 millimeters as for a camera lens. Once I get the iPhone 15 pro max, but that'll just have to do for a year or two. And eventually, I'll get a 180 to 600 millimeter Nikon Z. Um, That's cool. Lens to replace that in the longer term. But the reason I'm doing this is because I was only using the super really long telephotos for cricket. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I've been taking photos of cricket now for like five years, well, well, four years anyway with that lens. And I just a bit over it. Yeah. So I I stopped. Yeah, I stopped taking it to games. And I just sat there and watched the game. I know, right? Watch the game. Funny that. Play. Um, Be present in the moment. Exactly. Yeah. So that's the sort of thing my wife would say. So can you just be present? I'm like, yes, I am. Absolutely. I just let me take another photo. (laughs) Anyway. The curse of being a nerd. We all hear it, man. (laughs) Yeah, I know. She's uh, she's, not wrong. She is not wrong for the She's not wrong. No, she is not wrong. And, and in fact, if you ask her, she's in fact never wrong. But never mind. That's a different let's, topic. Let's not, let's not, that's a different topic. Let's not peel that onion. Anywho. Um, yeah, so, but this, I've been taking a lot more photos of basketball because three of my boys play basketball. And so with basketball, I don't, I can't use the novelty lens because it's, it's too long. It, it's like, it zooms in so close. I, it's, you it need becomes too tight. Yeah. Yes. And so 120 millimeters is perfect. So if I sit in the middle of the court uh, or even the other end of the court, I'll still get passable photos from the other end. Now, I know it's not the best in low light, but if you're taking video, it's less of a concern. Yeah. So the whole thinking is, and, and this is another one of those funny things, when I go and take photos at the basketball, if I have a camera camera, as in like my Nikon Z6 II, mm-hmm. or if I had a Canon EOS or whatever I had, I have to go and register show my driver's license, name, number, contact, all that stuff. And otherwise, you're not allowed to take photos. Really? Now, yes, really. I guess yeah, I'm not joking. this is like for safety concerns? Yes. They want to know um, who's, it, who's a in whole there bunch. with cameras and stuff? Yeah, that's the intent. Hmm. The rule is, in fact, quite old. It's been around for about 20 years. Hmm. But, of course, something's happened in the last 20 years is that people have had smartphones now that have got cameras in them but the thinking is that the cameras and smartphones don't have enough reach and they're not good enough so all you're going to get is grainy pixelated photos Mm -hmm. until now and so 
now it's possible to get a iPhone 15 Pro Max or a top of the line, um, you know, Pixel like Google a Pixel phone. Yeah, and it'll take decent photos and video from a smartphone and not have to you know, jump through of, all those hoops. But they do not require you to jump through those hoops. Exactly. Yeah. Now, do you jump through those so hoops any, on a game by game basis? Do you just like register yourself yes. once a season, or oh, it's every time? No, it's every every single game. And so they that know me now tiring. so well. It got it gets very tiring. But they know me so well. I walk in there and I say, "Oh, hey, John," and then they just slide the book across the table at me. You know the drill. I'm like, "Yes, I know the drill." Yeah. But they all know me. I'm on a first name basis with most of them now, anyway. So they don't know me. I've, I've been going there now for like four or five years, so they know me. Yeah. But irrespective, it's a pain in the butt. And so I wanted to get a phone, have it in my pocket, and be able to take short videos or photos of the boys playing uh, basketball without having to jump through the hoops. And I'll always have it with me mm-hmm. because now we're reaching that point. And we had this conversation years ago um, about you know the whole what's a camera, what's not a camera. And if you can get decent quality. Yeah, the best camera being the one that you actually have with you. Exactly right. That whole thing. Yeah, that whole thing. Anyway. So there is one other thing, though, that is causing me to do this. Mm. One of the things that is happening, um, and this is public knowledge, so I can talk about this, is that uh, several months ago, the company that I work for, um, a consortium, placed a non-binding proposal on the table to purchase the company. Mm. If successful, they will take the company and split it into two pieces. And two separate sub-companies will run one of them and one company will run the other part of it. So this whole situation means that everybody is all very much on edge because we don't know what this is going to mean for our jobs. Right. Um, and we've been going down the road of cleaning up contracts and contract terms. Mm. Uh, the deadline for signing the new contract is next week. Mm. And a lot of people freaked out when they read it. Yeah. Uh, not my, not my first rodeo. And I have read plenty of contracts. In fact, I've even written contracts, certain contracts in the past. Been a while, but I'm pretty good at reading legalese. And um, one of the clauses in there was about the right to be supervised. And, you know, during COVID. The right to be um, supervised. Yeah, um, of devices. So if you use a company device, Mm -hmm. if you work in a company location, they reserve the right to essentially record everything that you do. Keyloggers and stuff. Yeah. Everything from keyloggers to video. Mm. Now, I have used my own laptop, mainly because the work to- the laptops provided by the company are absolute crap. Right. They're terrible. They're, a, they're just terrible. Um, so my MacBook Air absolutely craps on <laughs> the IT stuff. Mm-hmm. So I still have sovereignty over my laptop. They can't install something on here unless I let them, and I'm not going to let them. Nice. And that's been the case for years. That is not the case with my phone. Oh. So many, many, yeah. So many, many years ago, I had two phones. I had my own personal phone. My last personal phone I had was an iPhone 6S Mm -hmm. uh, Plus. Oh, it's been a while back. It has been a while. And then... I also had a work phone. So what I would do is I'd forward my work phone to my iPhone 6S Plus and um, my watch was tethered to that phone Mm -hmm. and it was a bit awkward. But then when my 6S Plus died and it came time to do I have the money and and cash was strapped at the time. Mm -hmm. So instead what I did is I just used the dual SIM feature and I've had a couple of work phones progressively over the years as I've gotten older Mm -hmm. to my current one, which is an iPhone 12. But it is a company-issued phone and everything I do on it is monitored by the company. Yeah. I say everything in air quotes. I mean, it's not everything, everything, but it's enough to be really annoying. And with the signing of the new contracts, it's become very clear that they are going further, not less. Yeah. So they're going to be doing more might, supervision, might be surveillance, monitoring. 
Correct. So that's the other contributing factor. So, yeah. So that's uh, that's the other thing that's prying on my mind. Yeah. Um, amongst many other things, of course. But, yeah. So the environment at work at, at the moment is quite uh, tense. There's a lot of people who are very concerned about their jobs. I could imagine. Yeah. Uh, but there is no indication yet what the new owners are going to do or even if it's going to be approved because it's a publicly listed company. Therefore, it has to pass a shareholder majority vote. Mm. And there's a, also a clause in there about shareholder vote participation. Mm. So a vote participation is less than a, a certain threshold. Irrespective of the outcome, it will not be accepted. Mm. So there's some interesting clauses in there. Right. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do, but I think that it is inevitable. And I think that during COVID, a lot of companies started with a lot of surveillance on individuals and their equipment, yeah. whether or not it's company supplied. Uh, it's like if you're doing stuff on your own time and it's on company equipment, it's always been a bad idea yeah. Um, because then a company can claim they own it. But But installing monitoring software to prove it is becoming very commonplace. Yeah. And uh, it's almost quite the invasion of privacy but the argument from a company is well i'm giving you this equipment yeah and the counter argument is well you're forcing me to use this equipment because you won't let me bring my own yeah so but then their their counter argument is well you could always just wait until you're off work and use your own equipment to do your own projects you don't have to do it on ours yeah it's it's a very nuanced argument a lot of complicated factors uh, you're right it is that, and you know what? You're right. That is a fair point. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily saying that. I guess my problem is that I know that in, in several cases in Silicon Valley, people that were doing like all they do is check yeah. like one thing on their work machine and they use that in court to take ownership of this other person's work that they had done right. entirely on their own time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's difficult to enforce by law. Um, it's much harder to enforce by law in Australia than it is in somewhere like the United States where there is so much litigation. That's good. But, yeah, having said that, though, it's also not impossible. Yeah. So, anyway, um, so, yeah, stressful times at work for the for those people that have been in the company for a long time, looking at each other, you know, are we going to have jobs next year? We don't know. We just don't know. But as for me, uh, regaining that... Um, independence or self-sovereignty to an extent uh, is now suddenly very, very appealing. <laughs> Hence why I've made the decisions that I have. I can imagine. Yep. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So did you have any other thoughts about that other Apple event before we keep going? Because mm-hmm. um, that was no. all I really... No? No. The, the, the Pro Max is, is very tempting to me, but I just got the 14 Pro Max last year, so... Yeah. Kind of exactly. I mean, that 120 millimeter camera would be really nice, but I'm not a photographer by any any means. But that that camera would be really nice. But what I really kicked myself about, man, is that stupid USB C port. <laughs> if mm, I had waited one more true. year, I mean, my 10s Max was getting pretty long in the tooth, and and last year, AT and T and Apple were offering crazy trade in deals. I got like 800 bucks off of the 14 Pro Max for turning in my 10S Max. So that was almost, mm-hmm. uh, I guess for me, it was too good to pass up because I, I took advantage of it. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. But, yeah, I understand. Yeah. But when I do upgrade again next, it's going to be nice to finally have USB-C. And who knows, mm-hmm. by then, maybe they'll have that periscope lens everybody's been talking about and I can reach the moon with an iPhone camera. Um, Yeah, I wouldn't no. hold your breath on that one. Okay. No. Anyway, <laughs> that's okay. Be a while before they can do that. There's certain laws of physics that are a lot harder to bend. Yeah. Ha uh-huh. Anyway. Um, yes. So, uh, yeah, I guess that's the other thing about the uh, the 15 that's worth mentioning is the USB-C. And one of the great things is that I can take video now, plug in an external USB hard drive and record direct to the hard drive. You know, like essentially uh, analog video so you can then do your color grading later, which yeah. is something that I've never done, but it is something that now I understand why you would want to do that. I can see why people want to do that, and I will be able to do that if I ever want to, Yeah, which I but don't, that, but I might. That frees up a lot of options, Someday. man, because you could just get mm. you know, a decent-length USB-C cable and, and stuff a flash drive in your back pocket or whatever, and 
you're not limited by the space on your phone anymore. Exactly. And there was a rather enterprising videographer that took his iPhone 15 Pro Max and mm-hmm. pulled together a rig that had absolutely everything, including a video monitor, a um, yeah, um, an external microphone, as well as an external drive and a battery pack, essentially to power the phone, all the ancillary equipment, mm-hmm. um, as well as a mixer and everything to record the audio. And he was all doing it with one iPhone through the one USB-C port because you just you plug it into a USB-C hub and it just works. Yeah, as you would expect it to. Yeah, kind of impressive. Yeah, from what I, I understand, mean, that what spooky that fast event was filmed entirely on those two. Yeah, I heard that. That's true. Yeah. So yeah, very very cool. So yeah, I haven't got one yet, but it is on the list, and I have ordered a leather case, which is the Nomad Goods. Mm-hmm. Um, modern leather case because I went into an Apple store and I felt the fine woven case. Not interested. And like many people, I said, what the f*** is this <laughs> Um Not buying that. Yeah. So for effectively the almost exact same amount of money, I got a leather case and my money went to Nomad Goods. So yeah. I hope Apple's happy with um, with losing money for the sake of, you know, See, I mean, the smart thing to do would have been to give people a choice. Yeah, it would have been to phase one out. Yeah. It's like, here's the leather cases. We're going to do a a batch of them. And now we're going to offer fine woven cases for people that are concerned about using leather. Yeah. Now, if you're not concerned about using leather, here's a leather case. Yeah, but they get, you know, they got their whole green initiative going, which is, is very commendable. And just generally speaking, they've been taken it they've really been taking some heat about leather cases for the last few years like clay went on a rant in in iMessage last year when i bought the leather case for my phone uh and and other people have have gone on rants too you know that they can't believe apple's still selling leather cases for phones well you know what that's fine i get it and if that makes me the jerk for buying something that's made of a piece of a of a dead animal then fine what about like my Tesla? Uh, no, I'm right there with you. I mean, given given the choices that I have available to me right now, if I bought one of these phones, I'd probably search for a good third party. Well, okay, my, my Tesla has got um, white, not real leather seats. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that plush leather material. We call it pleather. It feels like pleather. Yeah, it feels like leather, but it's not. Right. So it's artificial. Does not come from an animal, but it is. To the touch, very similar to leather. Mm-hmm. Now, why the hell didn't Apple make a case like that? Yeah, they could go that route. If those sorts of cases existed, I would have bought one of them. Yeah. But no, they don't. So, it's like people want the material to feel the way the material works. Uh, like the, the way They want the material to feel the way they want it to feel and have the characteristics that they want it to have. Right. Now... They got rid of the leather case and didn't really give a decent substitute. Yeah. So they need to be doing a pleather or fake leather and say, hey, see this? It's fake leather, but it's not actually leather, and you're going to love it. And I would have probably loved it, and I would have bought that. Yeah. But instead, I got this. The fine one. So I don't know. Which, by all accounts so far, doesn't seem to be too fine. No. And once you scratch it, not particularly woven either. I mean, when you go in there, yeah. you go into the you go to the Apple Store, and you can see there's they're all up on those little magnetic thing, mm-hmm. magnetic holders, right? So you, there's a grid of them on the wall, and every damn one of them had a whole bunch of fingernail marks all the way up and down them, and crisscrossing them. Yeah, because everyone went in there and said, "Oh, I wonder how much this does actually scratch." Yeah. Yep, that's pretty bad. Not buying that rubbish. Yeah, and. <laughs> That's it. And it. But to me, it wasn't even that that put me off. It was just how it felt. Yeah. It felt tacky. It felt cheap. And it's like, I'm not paying in Australian dollars that 79 bucks. I'm not paying $79 for a case that feels like rubbish. Yeah. I don't care if it marks easily. It just feels terrible. Yeah. It was slippery and it was uncomfortable. I just did not like it. Yeah. Anyway. So there you go. Um, I will probably end up having a case without a phone to go in it for a little while, but that's okay. Supply chain is catching up. Mm-hmm. Anyway, all right. Anything more about the Apple events? Because that's all I had. No. All right. So I want to talk a little bit about the sound booth in a minute, but there's something else that's been going on as well in my life that I 
I can talk a little bit about, but I can't talk about in too much detail mm. because it is still in the hands of the insurance companies. Anyway, so I mentioned it simply because, um, yeah, and there's other things going on as well. It's not, it's, it has not been a good year. Anyway, mm. I don't even know if I should be talking about this on the episode. <sighs> anyway. Got to be very frustrating. It's, it is. Yeah. It's it's just yeah. So anyway, um, yeah. Moving on. So the last thing I want to talk about is about the sound booth. Yes. Because I realised that whilst we did talk about this on is this the show, um, I haven't spoken about it on Pragmatic. So I wanted to just give a real quick walkthrough as to what I've done and why. And I know Vic, you've heard most of this before, but. For the sake of listeners of this show that don't listen to Is This A Show, that's fine. This will be the high level. If you want to go down to the nitty-gritty, you can always go and listen to that episode. There'll be a link in the show notes. But yeah. So a few months ago... It's cool to listen to it, man. This is a great project. It sounds like a really fun project. Yeah, it was. And um, so what I've done is i built my own sound booth. And the reason I built a sound booth is because I have four kids, two cats, and... Um, and, well, my wife as well, obviously. There's a lot of people, a lot of noise, a lot of activity in the house. And it's gotten worse as they've gotten older, not better. So yeah. that my son and daughter have jobs. They come and go at all hours because they do, um, you know, late nights, um, light shifts and uh, and opens, early morning starts and such. They go to university. Mm-hmm. It's extremely difficult to record in, in my favorite, um, in the study area, which has no door. It's also impossible to put up a lot of soundproofing in that room. And I can't always use the walk-in wardrobe, which I generally use for recording solo shows because it's still too noisy in there. Yeah. And it also gets very hot in summer. Yeah. Anyway, so I decided to build my own, my own sound booth. Mm-hmm. And the sound booth is actually in the external shed, which is you know what we discussed previously you would call a garage. And it is technically a garage, but it's got a work shed mm-hmm. plus two car spaces. So it's kind of a call it a shed, whatever. The sound booth itself is separate from the house, but it's tethered to the house. Um, I've got a a power line, a wide power line Ethernet adapter, Mm -hmm. a TP-Link AV2000, and uh, I'm using that right now. I'm standing in the sound booth. It's tethered out through my MacBook Air, out through wide, because, of course, it's a steel shed, and that's a great Faraday cage, so Wi-Fi isn't going to work. 3G, 4G, 5G, mm-hmm. LTE, none of that's going to work. You have no bars. So I'm inside a box. You have no bars. Zero bars. Zero bars. So um, this sound booth, um, what I did is I've just moved everything into it. And some stuff I bought new, but I also relocated a lot of it. So I'm still using the Mix Pre 3 mm-hmm. to do the mixing and recording. I'm still using my beloved EVRE 20 microphone. Mm-hmm. I'm also still using my 309A uh, shock mount for said RE20. But I did purchase a Rode PS1 Plus uh, boom arm. And I got the Plus because it could handle the heavier weight, which you need because the RE20 is quite a heavy microphone. Mm. And I then bought a bracket to mount. I, sorry, I didn't buy a bracket. I, I took the bracket that came with it and I modified it so that I could drill it into one of the studs in the wall mm-hmm. inside the sound booth to hold it up. So I can get that in the perfect position. So the whole thing is built out of, it's a pine frame, um, basically in, it's a 45 millimeter by 90 millimeter, which is close enough to two by four. Um, So call it that if you like. Um, And uh, each of those lengths are 2.4 meters, whatever that is in feet, apologies. And uh, so the whole booth is actually two point. It's okay. I speak meters. I know. I know. I'm just thinking of the other listeners, but I prefer them actually. Yeah, it's it's easier. I'm I'm in the crowd that wishes we had the met, we used the metric system yeah. here. It's so much easier to like divide, multiply, and so on and so forth. You don't have to re- remember things like how many feet in a. Got to love some and, base ten and no fractions. Exactly. Yeah, fractions suck. But anyway, don't mind that. Um, yeah. So this thing's like two point four meters high roughly mm-hmm. interior dimensions so it's quite airy inside like there's quite a decent space up to the ceiling which is really good you don't feel claustrophobic in here mm-hmm. um and the whole space is about 1.2 meters square mm-hmm. so there's plenty of room for me to stand in the middle i can move my arms around and i can turn around and it's actually quite 
relatively spacious, but there's still only really room for one person comfortably in here. I mean, you could fit a second person, but it's going to be super tight and not pleasant. Yeah. Uh, so I built the exterior. The exterior walls are just a um, particle board, mm-hmm. and the interior walls are just drywall. And in between them, I put soundproofing insulation. And um, then I painted it with a latex-based paint. Oh, no, well, technically it's water-based paint, actually, but it's a, it's like an enamel, but it's mm. a water-based enamel. So it's not a traditional enamel. And the reason I didn't use a traditional enamel is because whilst it would be harder wearing, it's not quite as good for acoustics. And, of course, it has a really lingering smell, which in an enclosed space yeah. probably would have made it unusable for a long period of time while it, while this, that dissipated. Till it really vented out, yeah. Yeah. So I bought myself a um, a bracket. Um, I forget the model number off the top of my head, but it, it's a, a bracket that holds the laptop and it has essentially three shelf levels, one for the laptop at the top, um, one in the middle for the Mix Pre 3, and then one at the bottom for the nano control and nano pad. Yeah. Uh, so I can change the slider volumes and everything like that. Cool. Uh, for lighting in the room, I've got a couple of um, video lights that I'm using that are just USB-C battery powered. They do the job. Yeah. They create light. But to be perfectly honest, the light from the laptop screen is generally more than enough. Mm-hmm. It's only, I only really use them if I'm doing video in here, which I haven't done too much of yet. Yeah. So honestly, uh, oh, yeah, that's right. The other thing is um, I bought some uh, acoustic foam for bass trapping, and I put in one set of it, and then I put, got some other very, very basic cheap acoustic foam uh, from AliExpress. Um, that came from somewhere in China. Um, I put enough on there to do the ceiling and the the two of the four walls are totally covered mm-hmm. and the front wall is partly covered, but I've got nothing on the back wall yet because I ran out. I bought a second set of base traps because I didn't like the base response in the space. Mm-hmm. It was just not not good enough for what I wanted to do. You don't want the base to escape. Trapping. Well, it just it makes a really bad sound, and I've done a whole bunch of comparison audio. I haven't actually released it yet, but I'm going to do a video that that, that goes through all of that and uh, that's cool. Just what I've learned about it. I put some nice carpet down, mm-hmm. just some plush carpet to help absorb that noise, and the whole thing's sitting on some rubber mats to try and isolate it from the slab. Yeah. So the only thing that is not finished is um, I do have an air conditioner, Mm-mm. but it is rather loud. Yeah. And I have actually used it to cool down the space before I started. Mm-hmm. But as it is right now, the sweat is pouring off me. Oh. It is rather warm. Mm. And it is a warm day. Or, well, it's now like nearly, was it now half half 11? Yeah. So it's it's getting late. Yeah. But the point is that it's still quite warm tonight. Yeah. And it gets very warm in this room with my body heat and my breathing. Mm-hmm. So it's not pleasant. So what I need to do is I need to build some baffle boxes right. that will allow me to pass yeah, air-conditioned air into the room, drop the speed of the air down so that it doesn't make noise, and then have another baffle box for the outlet. Right. But all of that um, costs money. And at the moment, with everything else going on in my world, um, I've had to change my priorities. Yeah. So the entirety of this sound booth... I've been saving up for this for a long time. I've been designing this in my my head and, you know, I've been sketching this up on in good notes and uh, gradually buying stuff. The entire booth has been funded um, through patrons of the Engineered Network. And That's awesome. Yeah. And I'm I'm so very grateful for that because it's given me an independent recording environment. And it's not quite done yet, mm. but it is still very, very good and better than what I had. Yeah. And it allows me more of that recording flexibility. And if the rest of my life wasn't the show that it was, I'd be using it a lot more often. Yeah. I think Scott Wilsey referred to the sound booth as my accountability buddy. Well, yeah, I wish it was that simple. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. I just have two questions. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Number one, have you painted this thing to look like a police box yet? <laughs> <laughs> No, I have not. Okay. Number two, is the family threatening to move you outside into it yet? <laughs> not just 
Not just yet, no. Okay. And I haven't been buried in the sound booth yet either, uh, which was the other suggestion ooh, you made last time. We they could wrap it with chains and lock you in. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, no, that is uh, that is also not yet happened. Mm. So, no, it's um, it's been really good. Um, you know, you're really in trouble if somebody drills a hole in concrete or water starts pouring. Yeah, in. that's true. Um, the other thing that's been really good about recording in the sound booth is that um, I'm no longer disturbing the family. Right. So when I come to record out here, they don't know that I'm recording because it's completely separate from the house. It's completely isolated. You can't hear me. They can't. I can't hear them. They can't hear me. Um, whereas previously, even when I was recording in the um, walk-in wardrobe, yeah. you could still hear me recording. Um, in the study, it was even louder. Yeah. So my wife couldn't sleep. Like the kids couldn't sleep. Mm-hmm. So when I did late night recordings, um, it was often a tense moment. Yeah. So this has given me the ability to do this mm-hmm. um, whenever I want. So all I need to do is... Um, no, you just got to be quiet as you sneak back into the house when you're done. Well, pretty much, yeah. So at this point, um, probably, probably another six to nine months' time, uh, I will have then enough money to start building the baffle boxes and connecting up the air conditioner that I've got. Until then, I'll be doing batch cooling, which is to say run it, yeah. chill down the booth, and then use it uh, once the temperature gets too hot. Yeah. Run the air conditioner again and so on. And it doesn't work for a, 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 a podcast like Pragmatic, but it does definitely work um, for your solo for causality, audio books, yeah, analytical. You need to and, yeah, take a break when you need to, cool it down, and then go back at it. Exactly. Yeah. All right. So that's that's it. Um, I didn't want to have a super long uh, episode I just wanted to give people a bit of an update as to what's going on in my in my world, my life, and uh, talk a bit about the sound booth because I hadn't on Pragmatic yet. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I'm almost finished the notes for an episode of um, of Causality 2, actually. Sweet. Um, but, yeah, the um, all the prep I was doing for the conference kind of derailed a lot of that. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, there you go. It's fascinating to hear about this booth, though. I really like this project. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I am disappointed. It doesn't look like a police box, though. It's on the list, mate, but paint ain't cheap. I know. <laughs> Speaking of All police right, well, box, if, man, this month, mm, the doctor's coming. Yeah, I know, right? Something will happen with something to do with Doctor Who, but I can't yeah. say in case certain people mm. might. Anyway. Yeah. If, if, you, um, if you want to... Mm. So... If you want to talk more about this, you can reach me on the Fediverse at chigi at engineer.space or the network at engnet at engineer.space. If you're enjoying Pragmatic and you'd like to support us and keep the show ad-free, you can by becoming a premium supporter. Just visit engineer.network slash pragmatic to learn how you can help this show to continue to be made. Thank you. A big thank you to all of our supporters. A special thank you to our silver producers, Mitch Bilger, Shane O'Neill, Leslie, Kellen, Fredelius, Fujimoto, Jared Roman, Joel Ma, Katarina Will, Dave Jones, and Chad During. And an extra special thank you to our gold producer, Stephen Bridal, and our gold producer, known only as R. If you'd like to get in touch with Vic, what's the best way to get in touch with you, mate? Uh, I am still on the Twitter, aka the X, but I'm not very active there anymore. But uh, I'm a Vic Hudson one there, and you can also find me as a Vic Hudson one at app dot dot net <laughs> on the on on the first dot is written, the second dot is a dot. That is correct on the Fediverse oh, there. Oh my god! <laughs> I never app dot I dot never net. Will I never mm. what possessed them to do know. that. Anyway. I don't know. App dot dot net. That makes two of us. <laughs> oh my god. It's almost like Morse code. Yeah. Oh, my goodness me. All right, mm. cool. Well, it's good to hear that you're still floating around on the Fediverse, which is yes. where everyone should be. Get yes. off X. Oh, my goodness. It is a train wreck. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. Oh, I say moving on. That's it. Wow, there you go. All right, well, a special. I use it. I use it so I can keep up with jelly. Well, <laughs> man, you've got to have jelly. Mm-hmm. Oh, dear. All right, a special thank you to all of our supporters and a big thank you to everyone for listening. And as always, thank you, Vic. It's always a pleasure having you on. Thank you. 